0: This is John 17, verses 15 through 23. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us that the word may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me, and I have loved them, even as you have loved me. The word of the Lord.
1: All right, let me pray for us. Lord, uh, guide us now. Uh, teach us now. Thank you uh, for that time of worship, Lord, even for my own heart. I just desperately need it. Um, thank you that even what we're about to look in uh, into in this prayer reminds us um, that uh, we need you uh, so desperately to even step into uh, the beautiful, mysterious, uh, remarkable call that you have on our lives to be those that bear your love to a world that desperately needs it. So uh, would you remind us of what you've done for us? Uh, Would that be fresh in our hearts this morning in such a way um, that it would become so profoundly easy Uh, for us to let that goodness uh, spill out on everyone uh, we come in contact with. Uh, We love you, uh, we trust you, uh, and we need you in your name. Amen. All right, have a seat. If you don't have a seat, there is a row down front. Uh, Come on. Uh, We are spending this uh, new year, uh, or not the whole year, but the first three weeks of this new year Um, in this prayer of Jesus in John 17, Uh uh-oh, am I getting all scratchy? Is it my beard? (laughs) Kidding. Uh, in this prayer of Jesus, but we're, oh man, battery? Yep. I've got two bars. Kidding. Well, we'll see how it goes. If it gets really annoying, I'll switch, I guess. Um, Sounds like a bad connection, huh? How about I stand really still? We're starting the new year in this prayer of Jesus um, to remember and uh, to really recast or uh, re-remember the vision of why we are a church in this area. (laughs) Should I switch? Oh, geez. All right. Stand up to comedy time, right <laughs> so anyways uh no. <laughs> what if my voice changed? <laughs> How can you not act like a stand up comic with it? I mean, I'd never do this right? <laughs> so <laughs> I just watched the Golden Globes and uh now we're spending three weeks in this prayer of Jesus uh to remind ourselves why we're a church in this area and what does that even mean? I mean, Hal just announced Congregation 5. Why why did Midtown, we're one of four congregations right now in Midtown, why did Midtown not just grow one giant regional church? And what we're going to talk about this morning, in many ways, is is one of the main reasons uh, is that we're a sent people, uh, that God sends us out into the world (laughs) And sends us back into the places where we do life because he has a mission for us. And he wants to bring his love and his message to the world through us. That's his prerogative. He didn't have to do it that way. But he's saying really clearly in this prayer, that's what I'm up to in and through you. And so uh, he's asking the Father in this prayer, I want you to do some really specific things for them. And then I want you to do some really specific things through them. And so uh, I hope this is a comfort to you because uh, this is God's mission and God's vision for his church. This isn't Midtown's ideas for us as a group of people. Uh, We really believe that that's the journey that we're on as a church is is we want to actually grasp what the Bible says is God's vision for our life and live out of that with passion, live out of that with conviction. Uh, This isn't New Year's resolutions like, all right, come on, guys, let's just do it differently in this new year. Um, This is embracing the reality that Scripture says that we are new creations in Christ. That God has done something so profound in your life that you are actually a new being. It says you've been given a new birth into a living hope. And so we gather together as the church to live into our collective identity as his people, his body. And we as a group fight for what he teaches us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and we want you to do that through us because that's what you want to do. You want to accomplish your will on earth as it is in heaven through us. And so Jesus is praying for us, for his disciples in John 17, three things. And I've told you these are the three things we're going to talk about. We talked about one of them last week, that they would be sanctified by the truth, He says there in verse 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So we'd be sanctified by the truth, which means to be set apart by the truth. We'll say something more about that in a second. That we would be sent into the world. He says, as you have sent me into the world, Father, I have sent them into the world. Sanctified by the truth, sent into the world. And then lastly, next week we'll talk about we need to be sustained for that mission. That's a mad mission. That's a hard mission. And so we need sustenance in order to walk into our collective identity as his people so he starts his prayer by saying i want them to be sanctified he doesn't start the prayer but he gets to the point in the prayer by saying i want them to be sanctified by the truth your word is truth all three things here sanctified by the truth sent into the world sustained these are all connected like a three-legged stool The first leg is this. I want them to be sanctified by the truth. Your word to us is true. And so last week we talked about what does it look like to let God's words to us, which are his words uh, to us about him and his words to us about us. Let me tell you how I feel about you. Kind of what Janie encouraged us in a minute ago. Maybe Maybe you don't feel like God loves you. He's saying, would you let my word to you be the the profound truth in your life? Would you let that truth sanctify you? Would you let it, that word means set you apart. Would you let his word to you about you and about him, his promises to you and the truth of what he did? He says there that I sanctify myself For them that they too may be truly sanctified. Would you let the truth that Jesus sanctified himself. He set himself apart to accomplish redemption for you and for me. And we needed him to do that. Would you let that truth this year shape and grow your life in a profound way? Would you let that be the lenses that you drop down over your eyes and say, I'm going to look at all of my life through the truth of what he says about me and what he says about himself i'm gonna let that sanctify me and i encourage us would we would we learn to actually pray the word i mean i want us to grow in and i think he's modeling for us here what does it mean for us to grow in being a community of prayer but specifically what would it look like for me to let the word begin to actually shape my prayers right let what he prays for me be what i begin to pray for myself Asking God, would you apply your truth to my heart and would you set me apart and cause me to live in this new identity that 1 Peter 2.9 sums up by saying, you are chosen, you are holy, you are dearly loved, you are God's treasured possession. Why? So that you might declare the praises of him who has brought you out of darkness into his glorious light. That's who you are now. And because of who you are, this is what you do now. You've been set apart. It got me thinking about Mission Impossible. You guys mission impossible fans? Yes? Sure. Yeah, why not? You know? Who's gonna say no to that? Your mission, right? Should you choose to accept it? Ethan's there looking at it, you know, and it disappears. You know what? You know what Ethan never does? He never doesn't accept it. It's so funny to me, like. You actually are getting the option right in in the story there, but he always accepts it. Why? Because he's Ethan Hunt. Because that's that's who he is. He he's built for that mission. And so yeah, I guess he's saying you have a you have a choice to do this or to not do this, but but he always chooses to go because it's who he is. He's been set apart. For this special purpose, he's been trained and he's been given everything he needs to go do the mission that he's called to do. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness, is what scripture says. It reminded me of like in the Old Testament when they were building the temple and they were amassing all of the things together that they needed for the temple, the articles in the temple. So there were all sorts of things. That were used in the worship and sacrifice to the Lord. There were bowls and lampstands and curtains and tables and cups and different things. And they were always cleaned and set aside. They were not to be used for normal things. They were not to be used for anything else because they were designated for the worship and sacrifice to the Lord. They were set apart for that. This was their very purpose for being created. They were sanctified, they were holy. Well, Scripture says this about you and me, if you're in Christ this morning. It says this, that we now, we're not cups and bowls and things like that. We are the temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. 2 Corinthians 4 says that we're jars of clay so that the life of Jesus may be revealed through our bodies. 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you have received from God, you are not your own. And talk about something that flies in the face of our, our radical individualism, right? We are not our own. We were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies you've been set apart, you've been sanctified, you are holy, you are his treasured possession, and you have a purpose. Like, if you're struggling with, and I think we all do from time to time, certainly I do, struggling with feeling like, what is the purpose of my life? Whatever that fleshes itself out like in the details of your life, One of the beautiful realities of being in Christ is is we wake up every single morning and we have a purpose. Wherever God takes us, wherever he places us, I know I can be about that because that's what he's about, and he was about that for me. I'm an ambassador of that, 2 Corinthians 5 says. So the two things, that's kind of like intro, the two things I want us to just glean from this part of the prayer is one we're sanctified to be sent into the world you're sanctified to be sent into the world and then how are we sent into the world uh we lure the world we're going to talk about fishing a little bit we lure the world with a radical unifying love he talks in there about i want them to be brought into unity and to love in a completely different way so sanctified to be sent lured by unifying love First thing, sanctified, to be sent into the world. we were set apart to be sent. I was praying about, because this is what we do, we being me, preachers, uh, (laughs) what are ways that we can illustrate this? And I was was just kind of walking around the house, and I was putting some stuff back, uh, cleaning out, you know, emptying the dishwasher, and I saw these, I saw China from our wedding, who here got China for their wedding? Raise your hand. Yeah, okay. So everybody here, all those people are at least 40 and up probably because it is not a thing to do anymore. And there's a reason because you don't use it, right? It's in a cupboard. I literally pulled down the cup and I looked in the cup. I was like, oh, my goodness. It was like a cup of dust because, <laughs> sorry, babe. Uh, It's in a very, very back uh, cover. No, we don't use it. So that got me thinking about this. Run the clip.
0: The 1961 Ferrari 250 GT, California. Less than a hundred were made. My father spent three years restoring this car. It is his love, it is his passion. It is his fault he didn't lock the garage. Harris, what are you talking about? Ferris, my father, loves this car more than life itself. A man with priorities so far out of whack doesn't deserve such a fine automobile. Oh, yeah. No, no. Apparently, you don't understand. Wow. Ferris, he never drives it. He just rubs it with a diaper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, remember how insane he went when I broke my retainer? Huh? Come on, that was a little piece of plastic. This is a Ferrari. Bella. Look, I'm sorry. There's nothing else we can do. He knows the mileage, Ferris. He doesn't trust you? Never has, never will. Look, this is real simple. Whatever miles we put on, we'll take off. How? Drive home backwards. <laughs> no. No! There it is, forget it. You're just gonna have to think of something else. I'm putting my foot down. How about we run a nice Cadillac? My tree?
1: I just wanted to show that. <laughs> you know, Ferris, gosh, I watched that movie when I was in eighth grade every day the summer of my eighth grade year. Not the whole thing, but a lot of it, which is probably not good. Um, no, I'm kidding. It was great. Uh, gosh, there's so many things I could say about even just what I just observed just now about that but ferris understood something and the ferris understood this that ferrari was meant to be driven not garaged like it's a it's a it's a painful thing to see something so beautiful uh to to see something that was created to be meant to be taken out on the road and driven and appreciated and, and it needs to be brought out of the garage And so when Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. He's saying that. He's saying, uh, as I was sent, as I came out of the garage of eternity and came down, so I am sending them into the world. It's time to get the Ferrari out of the garage and drive. The whole prayer If you go back and look at the rest of the prayer up into this point, he's saying, I've come so that they may know the Father, that they may know who you are, Father, that they may know how you love them, that they might be one as you and I are one, so that others might know who you are, Father, in and through them. That's what he says there. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. I'm doing all of this. So that others might know who I am in and through them, that we would be those who reflect and point to the Father and to Jesus. We are literally, we are the Ferraris that He wants to. I mean, I love it, the kind of reckless, childish smile on Ferris's face where he's saying, Come on, live a little. I'm in the driver's seat, I'm not your co pilot. You were bought with a price, you're mine. It's time to take the thing out of the garage and to live as the sent people that you are. We know just a bit later in the Gospels, it's recorded in Matthew 28, that Jesus, he sends them out on the Great Commission. He says what? He says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given me. Which is basically saying, I'm in complete control. Nothing can go wrong. Nothing can go outside of my will for your life. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given me. And he ends by saying, And behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. So I'm in complete control, and I'm with you to the end of the age. You are not alone. And therefore, in the middle of those bookends, what do we do? He says, Therefore, as you go, make disciples. As you go into wherever you're going, I'm in the the driver's seat of the Ferrari, make disciples. Talk about what you love and who loves you and how you have been loved. I laugh about it because um, sometimes we talk about the, the, even if I say the word evangelism, everybody's going to go, ugh. But we're all natural evangelists, right? We all naturally talk about what we love and who loves us, and what's important to us. I was on a ski lift in December in Colorado, and I found out that the guy next to me, he's like, oh, hey, I'm visiting Nashville in a few months. And here's what he asked me. He goes, tell me every restaurant that I should go to in Nashville. And I'm like, you asked me that on like the last poll (laughs) before we're about to get off. Well, what was he saying? His heart wanted something from me. It was like, I want you to tell me what you care about, what matters to you, because that matters to me, and I want to go be a part of that. I want to experience what you've experienced. He's saying, evangelize me. Tell me what matters. Jesus is saying, I've sanctified you to send you into the world. It's time to take the Ferrari out of the garage. It's time to pull down the china and throw a party. And sometimes I have to stop and ask my question, why, why is it? Is my, is my faith, is my love for the Lord like this finely diaper-polished Ferrari that's in the garage? And he's saying, come on, live a little, trust me. Show, show somebody what you have. I mean, what did Ferris go do with that Ferrari? Anybody remember the story? Where was he driving it to? School to set Sloane free, right? I mean, we laugh about it, but I mean, Ferris—I don't, you know—he's—he's pretty self-centered with his motivations. I get it, but the point was, I'm bringing this into her life, and it's going to change her life as well. We had a group of our of our of the members of this church together back in November, and I I shared with them a picture of this. And then another picture of this in the New Testament, where Jesus um, takes his disciples out into a boat for a miraculous catch of fish in Luke 5. And he's been teaching all day, and they've been fishing all day. And at the end of the day, they're basically cleaning up their nets because they didn't catch any fish. Just another day, right? Just another day. Just another ordinary day. And Jesus, it says in, in the text that he got into their boat which is a statement of sanctification. It's saying, I'm setting you apart. I've gotten into your boat. I've climbed into your Ferrari, right? I'm in the the driver's seat now. He didn't ask. He didn't say, hey, is it cool if I get in your boat and I teach you something right now? He said, I'm stepping into your life, and I'm going to change your life right now. And it says in that passage that he took them out. He says, I want you to go out into deeper water. I share with the members that 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 phrase alone has haunted me over the last few months. That he's saying, hey, there's, there's something out there for you out in the deep. Not in the garage, but out on the road. You want to experience me? You want to grow in your relationship with me? The car's got to get out of the garage. There's going to have to be some risk involved. There's going to have to be some deeper water. And after a long day of trying in their own effort to catch fish, to do what they believed and they did need to do to survive for that day, he goes and says, let's go to deeper water. He tells them to let down the nets. It's a beautiful uh, reaction from Peter. He basically says, we've worked hard all day, master, and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, because you say so, we'll let down the nets. And so even in their doubt, you hear it in Peter. Oh, gosh, okay, whatever. Even in their doubt, they obey. And what happens? They get this miraculous catch of fish, and they're afraid. They tell the Lord, get away from me. Like, whoa, what's going on here? But I'd encourage us that what was going on, yeah, they caught a lot of fish, and they saw a miracle. But what was happening in that moment is is that they were being caught. But they were being caught and they were being called into the truest identity that God had for them. And he says to them at the end, from now on, you you used to fish for fish, but now from now on, you will fish for men. This is what I have for you. I'm calling you. I'm sanctifying you. I'm setting you apart to follow me into deeper water, to follow me to the point where it says they pulled their boats up on shore. And they left everything and they followed him. All right, I'm going to follow you because you want to make me into a fisher of men. I want to encourage you. I think I said this to the members. When we started this, this congregation, it was about seven years ago. There was about 40 or so of us, 40 to maybe 50 of us, and about 20 to 30 kids, maybe, when I checked in with Jen this morning, there are 150 kids in Kid Town. Everybody's like, oh, gosh. On the roster, On the roster there's not, yeah, there's not 150 back there. Trust me, we'd know. <laughs> and we're about, we're about 200 to 220 people. That's about six times larger than we were when we started in six years. Let me tell you how that's happened. It's happened not because I'm some remarkable preacher. Or we have some remarkable facility. The cafetorium is beautiful. It's happened because of y'all. It's happened because in little ways and in big ways, you've let the Lord get into your Ferrari, into your boat, and call you out into deeper water, into deeper relationship with people, and he's used you. And let me just tell you, he's not done. He's not done. He's not done with this church and this congregation. He's not done in this area. And he's saying, come on. This is, this is what I'm doing in your life. I'm transforming you. I'm setting you apart and I'm making you fishers of men. And when we don't do that, I mean, one of the a lot of the great scenes in that film is just the mix of kind of anxiety and joy they get at taking the Ferrari out of the garage. When we aren't on mission like that, we're actually missing a part of the call and the joy that the Lord has for us. Like, I don't know if you've gotten to be a part of actually seeing somebody come to faith for the first time, or somebody who maybe knew the Lord at one point in their life, but was very far away from the Lord, and God used you in their life to draw them closer to himself or to himself for the first time. It's awesome for them, but it's amazing for you too. David prays this in Psalm 51. It's a prayer of sanctification for a reason. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And right after that, what does he say? Then I will teach others your ways. You hear what he's saying? You hear what he's praying? Do something in me. You've done something for me. And when I get in touch with that, then I'm going to tell everybody about your way. This is who you are. We were sanctified to be sent into the world. And he doesn't send us empty handed. That's the second point, which is, is that he's given us um, this very, very powerful lure to fish with, and it's called love. Love, the agape love of God, you know, John 3.16, if you've been around church, it says God so loved the world that he sent his son, Right? It's in love that he sends his son, and Jesus is saying, as I was sent into the world, so I'm sending you into the world. Jesus is saying, I loved this world, and so now in love and with and armed with a completely unique love, I am sending you, my sons and daughters, to love the world in a totally different way. Why? Proverbs 19 says, what a man desires is unfailing love. It's better to be poor than a liar. It's better to be poor. It's better to not have all the things that we spend all of our energy and all of our time running after to try to get what we most deeply desire. And it's one thing, unfailing love. And he's saying, I've put the unfailing love of God in you. Now go, because it's desperately what the world needs. And you have it in him to give. So we're sanctified to be sent, but he doesn't send us empty-handed. He gives us his truth. He gives us his spirit, which is what? The fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Paul, where you at? Come up and sing it with us. <laughs> Kidding. Yeah. The fruit of the spirit. It's, it's, uh, I'm a, I like to fish. I like to spin fish and fly fish. Have you ever been fishing and not catching fish? And you're next to somebody who is catching fish, and you're like, well, I'm doing everything that they're doing. And at least in fly fishing, the way this works is they say, well, what, what do you got on? Like, what are, you, what are you fishing with? And I'll be fishing with whatever, like a woolly booger or something like that. And it's like, oh, you need like a size 20 midge, which is like this microscopic thing that barely fits on you know, on the end of your finger. I would love for you to think of the fruit of the Spirit. It's like your fly box. Okay? And depending on the stream, depending on where you're at, depending on the temperature, depending on the time of day, depending on the circumstances, you're going to need all sorts of different flies in your box, but you've got them all because you've got the fruit of the Spirit. And, And you need the right fly at the right moment presented in the right way, and that fish, because it's hungry, it'll eat it. And what Jesus is saying when he's saying, sanctify them by the truth and have unity in me and be one in me and I and you and you and me and them and me and all of us together, he's saying I'm packing their fly box full of everything that they need to go do the fishing that I've called them to do. I've set them apart and I've given them everything they need to love in a holy, unique way. I was thinking of a story this week um, because I talked to this guy. His name's Mark Foster. He's an Irish guy um, who, when he was 15, I got to be a part of his story of coming to faith. I was 21, and um, Mark, if he were here, if he were here telling you the story this morning, he would be talking like that one. But we were. We were playing soccer together, full field match, 11 on 11, and I was marked up against Mark, which means I said Mark twice, um, and Mark slide tackled me so hard that he put his metal stud through my shin guard, through my sock, and into my bone, because Irish people are rough, and I remember I was laying there on the ground, I had blood like pouring out through my sock, and I was holding... Uh, holding my leg and wondering, can I stand? <laughs> can I even get up from this? And I finally kind of collected myself. And when I stood up, he was standing there like this. Literally fist up, and it wasn't a joke. And I kind of looked at him, and I kind of laughed, and then I kind of jogged off the other way. And Mark would tell you that was the moment I want to know more about what's different about that guy. Mark's journey with the Lord didn't start with my remarkable evangelistic skills and ability to explain the nuances of Scripture to him. It was that I didn't punch him (laughs) when he kicked me as hard as he could. And he would go on to tell you, he's like, I... I expected a fight because that's what everyone else does—is they throw a punch after that. But you didn't, and I was like, "What's up with that? Why?" Well, I'm a Christian and I'm on a mission trip, so I can't punch you right now. But if you were at home, I would hit you. <laughs> Kidding. No. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, it was like a—it was like a moment of realizing it, this is not that complicated. Like the 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 open door was not. Um, some great faith explanation. The open door was love. It was caring about him in a different way. Now Mark's here in the states, and he's a soccer coach, and he's bringing his faith into what he's doing in a in a at a state school in Arkansas. And he shares with me the difficulty of that, and what does it mean to live his life as a believer in this context? And all I'm thinking is this. This is John 3, 3 John 1. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy. When I'm listening to Mark talk about this, I'm realizing, man, my joy is going up. He's restoring me to the joy of my own salvation through how I got to be a part in the link in the chain of the story of Mark Foster. I think we're missing out on so much joy. We're we're trying to hunt it down through a lot of other things. And he's saying, I've got this whole avenue of joy for you if you just take the Ferrari out of the garage. If you just let me drive it. If you just let me Sprinkle some of my love into the world around you. It will change. It will transform the lives of people. The least of which are those 150 kids I just talked about in Town. Man. I mean, seriously. All right, is that child care back there or is it discipleship back there? It's a question you need to ask yourself. I know how, how to answer the question. I'll tell you what it is. it is. It's not... Childcare, it's discipleship. We are those who have been set apart to love our kids. Our kids, remember when we take vows, when we baptize these kids? Our kids into the truth. They have been set apart to be loved by us into the gospel. That's a place, if you're wondering even where I can start to drive my car, trust me, kids love riding in the Ferrari, right? I love it. Watching the Golden Globes, uh, you know, and I get it. It's, is it challenging? Yes. Are you tired? Yes. Okay. You remember the award ceremony, the Golden Globes that just happened, right? How many people watched it? Yes. No. Oh, wow. I guess I am the only one who watches award ceremonies. <laughs> you know what they all think? You know who they all thank eventually? Mom. Dad. Like I watched Dave Chappelle's acceptance speech for his Kennedy Center Award and he talked about his mom going to all of his shows. And it's powerful because he's basically saying, my mom, she set herself apart from me and it took years and years and years for me to get to this place. But now I look back and I realize this is all built on a couple of people. It's all built on a few people who decided to do this for me. And we all have those people in our lives. I ask the members, write it down. Write down who fished for you. Who was the person who decided, I'm going to be the vehicle of the love of God in your life, and it changed your life. Remember that story. Stir that story up in your heart and your mind. Because when you do, you'll you'll begin to catch a vision for the fact that God has done that work in your life, and he He has sanctified you and set you apart because He wants to do that work in the life of another through you, for their good and for your good. So I'm going to give you one last term, jeez, man, I'm whoa, we're gonna have to cut a song. Ah, uh, <laughs> sorry, Janie. It's already done. Should I just go ahead and benedict this, man? Uh, I want you to write down the term sanctified imagination. Do because you've if you've been set apart, do you have a sanctified imagination for your life? Like we all dream dreams about our lives, right? When we were in a creative town. <laughs> but is your is your imagination set apart? In, in this way, like the incarnation, God coming as a baby to save us, that's creative redemption, y'all. Like, that's, that's really creative. Nobody saw that coming, right? So much so that they hung him on a cross. It's sanctified imagination for redemption, God becomes man, and he takes man's place to pay for his sins, to give man righteousness, and to set him free from a life of religion. This is not duty that we're talking about. This is identity. I've set you free from religion to be in a relationship with me, a unique relationship with me, where you can love now the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You can, and you can love your neighbor as yourself. That's sanctified creative redemption. And he's saying, as I came into the world, so I am sending you into the world. He is saying, I, am, I want to incarnate through you creatively into the world that you're in. And so you need to ask yourself this question, do I have a sanctified imagination for my kids? Am I being creative about how I take them out in the Ferrari? Do I have a sanctified imagination for my neighbors? Would I throw a party for my neighborhood just so that I could get to know my neighbors, just so I could begin to kind of open up the door of you love in a different way? Do I have a sanctified imagination for the people I work with? How am I dreaming for them? And will we begin to pray for opportunities to bring the truth, to bring the love of the lord into the lives of the people that he's put in our lives because that's what's been done for us so who is it uh, we're going to pray here in a second i, I literally want you to pray who lord who are you call me to fish for what's the deeper water where's the place that you want me to get the Ferrari out of the garage where do you want me to take a relationship that i'm already in to a different place an intentional place Because I've been sanctified and now I'm sent. It's real simple. Ask good questions. I'm going to put some flies in your fly box. Learn how to ask good questions and actually care about the answer. Most people don't even know how to listen to people anymore. Secondly, pray while you're with the person. You're with them. Ask the Lord. Holy Spirit, open the door. Thirdly, uh, share your own weaknesses and your own needs and how the Lord is meeting you in those places. Be vulnerable. I don't connect with you in your strength, I connect with you in your need. And lastly, serve Him. I mean, the picture of this in the Gospels is Jesus wrapping that towel around His waist and washing feet, right? And why did He wash feet? Listen to this in Romans 10. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How do you make your your beautiful feet? He washed them. He sanctified you, he set you apart, he poured out his love on you, and he has filled you up, and he's saying, Let's get the Ferrari out of the garage. Let's go. All right? Let me pray. Lord, thank you uh, for all the different ways uh, you paint this picture in Scripture and even all the ways that we see in films like Ferris Bueller that our hearts are drawn to this idea that we were made uh, to get out onto the road, to risk um, for love. And so, Lord, I pray as those you have loved, you have sanctified, um, that we would embrace the call that you've, got to, you've gotten into our boat and said we're going out into deeper water. And I've got a mission for you, uh, and it's to fish with the lure of love. And may we be a community. I pray that, that as individuals and as a community, that this community, this part of Nashville would say that church uh, loves people in a completely different way Um, and I know why. It's not because they're really great people. It's because they have a really great God who they've been loved by. Make it so in your name. Amen.